as I said, it's 1 Corinthians 13. Um, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can't fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails, but when there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child... I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and then verses 6 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on, now and forever. Lord God, we thank you uh, for this service. Uh, we pray that you would open us up to hear from you this morning, that you have words you want to speak to your people. Lord, would you open us up to hear from you? In Jesus' name, amen. So about four years ago, uh, I, was, I was at another church, and I was taking a bus full of teenagers uh, kind of junior high students, up to this winter camp. Uh, it was in January, and the camp is uh, at a place called Covenant Pines Bible Camp. It's in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and my church was in Illinois, which means Wisconsin is in the way, uh, if you don't know your Midwest geography. Um, and again, bus full of junior high kids, and we had gone there. I brought a couple uh, adult leaders, and it was an exhausting weekend. Now, we weren't like camping in the snow. We were like in a cabin kind of thing. But still, I mean, 
If you've never been on a junior high retreat, I highly suggest it. Uh, if you've never driven the bus like I was for a junior high retreat, I highly suggest it. Uh, it, it just exhausting time. And, and we had packed up, and uh, it actually was really good. You know, we had seen God do a lot of things, and, but it was time to drive home. And this drive normally took, and, and really good weather, took about seven hours. Uh, you put that in a church bus, you put that with the length of bathroom breaks at gas stations, uh, and you put it with some winter weather, and it was easily about a nine to ten hour drive. But I get into the driver's seat, and then I see one of the students stand up, and he's going to come sit at the seat closest to me to help you know, keep me company up there. And uh, very sweet boy, which means I'm going to say something else. Uh, but one of these, these students that would just kind of drive you crazy, and after a whole weekend, uh, you're like, okay, I guess he'll be by me, and I'll kind of give the other leaders a little bit of a break. They need kind of a break. Uh, but it was, it was that kid. I think we all have that kid somewhere in our lives, but, uh, or we've known them. And again, love to have them up there. It was great. It was good. Uh, I call it dashboard time. You know, you're staring forward, but you can have some real conversation. Um, but I kid you not, he spoke for 10 hours. Winter driving, church bus, 10 hours straight. Some of it was good stuff. Some of it was stuff he needed to kind of get off his chest. That was wonderful. Other stuff, it was just utter nonsense. It was, it was... It was exactly what you're picturing, I guess. I mean, it, and, and I'm driving, and, and really, I kind of have a, a choice to make. I mean, I'd already asked him uh, a couple times if he, if he took his medication for the day, and he, he said he did. Uh, I'm not, I, I've never known to this day, but uh, it was a lot. It was a lot to handle, and, and over and over again, in my head, about four hours in, four hours is how much I could do with my own strength. Uh, which I don't think is bad. Uh, that's a pretty good run. Uh, but that's not a 10-hour car ride. So about four hours in, I kept hearing this Bible verse that was read for you over and over again. Uh, in my head, this, this one that Clint read, it just kept playing, love is patient, love is kind. Then I would breathe. Love is patient, love is kind. And then I would breathe. And love is patient, it was just over and over again. And I needed it. I desperately needed it. Through this car ride, and, and, and part of it was that, that I needed this boy to feel this unconditional love from Christ. And if it needed to come through me and through my listening ears, then I was willing. I was, I was willing to be that person, but it was not going to be easy. And it was not going to be simple, and it was not going to be as, as easy as um, you know, just kind of ignoring him. That, that wasn't love either. I didn't want to just zone out. I wanted to listen to what he had to say, but it wasn't going to be passive on my part either. It was going to be hard work, uh, and it was, and it took compassion uh, for where he was in life, and it took way more self-control than I had uh, without the Holy Spirit, and it took way more focus than I could possibly have without God being with me. and It's amazing because 
It reminds me of how God loves us. You know how much patience we take? You ever thought about your own life? Things that are just on repeat? You're like, oh, by the way, God, I, I slipped up in this way again. I'm still this person. Remember so many years ago when, when I uh, accepted your love and it felt so great and I, and I said, I'm going to live my life different. You know, and then here we are this many years later and, and God is so patient. God is so kind. He loves us in a way that, that we couldn't possibly even love one another. In 1 John 3.18 uh, a Bible verse I dearly love. It says this, Dear children, let us not love in words or speech, but, but with actions and truth. And these are powerful words. It can be very easy to love with words and speech. I mean, just make a nice like Facebook post about someone, and you're like, there, I'm good. I love them. Uh, send a Christmas card. There, Boom. Easy, love them, love them with words. But spend time with someone, especially someone who, who might be difficult. Love with actions, love with truth. It means self-sacrifice on our, our part. It means putting others' needs before ourselves, being willing to journey with people um, in the best of times, and, and journey with them in the worst of times, and being alongside one another. So I just love that the candle for today, as we are right on the edge of Christmas, is the love candle. As I've said each week, the story of Christmas is the story of people living in darkness that have found a great light. It's the story of weary people, of tired people, of worn-out people that have found hope. It's the story of grieving people that have found a reason to rejoice. And it's in that light that we gather this morning. John chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus says, I have come into this world as a light. So that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. I just love that passage. I've come into this world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. There is hope. There is a way forward. There is a way that we are able to travel out of this. So, so our word for today, uh, our word we're going to kind of focus on and see uh, how scripture focuses on it is this word love that we find in this passage. You know, I've said it before with biblical languages, but love is a great example of an English word where our English starts to fail us after a while. You know, it just means so many things in English. We have one word, and I love my mom, but I also love pizza. And if I mean the same thing, my mom's probably a little hurt, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of where love brings us. And, and I love my wife, Susan, but I also love my new coffee grinder at home. And if I mean the same thing, Susan's going to be a little hurt. 
and she should be. I can just kind of like picture it now, you know, she comes, comes up to me after work, and, and Susan says, you know, John, do you love me? And I say, of course, of course I love you. I love everyone. We're all God's children. How well do you think that would go over? <laughs> anyone that has been to the, this marriage thing? <laughs> anyone want to say how well that would go over? We all know how that would work. But again, love is this word in English that tends to fail us, right? I mean, there's there's too much meaning for one word. And uh, it's interesting as we go to uh, biblical or Koine Greek, uh, which is what the New Testament is written in, there's actually four words for love. Uh, And this is helpful as we narrow it down. So which word is being used? The first word for love is eros. Now, eros is where we get the English word erotic. And that's a different sermon. Uh, and I can go into that if you want. Uh, but, but it's this sense of romantic love. It's this sense of being, quote, unquote, in love, kind of head over heels uh, kind of stuff falls in there. Uh, but that's a different word. That's eros. And then the next word is philia. Philia means this sort of love that's between friends. Uh, brotherly love. I respect you. I care for you. It's where... Uh, we get the, the city named Philadelphia, which Philadelphia is also known as the city of what? Brotherly love, right? Because it's from this Greek word. The next word is storge. Storge means the love of a family. It's parents' love to a child or, or siblings' love for each other or, or cousins and it, it refers to this natural or sometimes instinctual uh, affection. A, a baby is born and instantly uh, you feel storge towards that baby. You love them. They're precious. They are yours. And, and there's this, this connection instantly. But the fourth word, and it's probably one if you've been going to church a long time, you've probably heard this word, but the fourth word for love is agape. And agape is what we're going to focus on today, what this word is, and it means this, this sense of unconditional love. And I think sometimes we throw that word around, unconditional love, but we actually uh, don't experience it a ton in our world. To love with no conditions. It doesn't matter how the other person ever behaves, but they will have love. I think it's not unfair to say that, that without God's help, we, we really struggle, if, if it's even possible at all, to produce agape love for anyone. There's always something that, that no matter who they are, that they could do that could break that relationship, that could break that connection that we have. But this is how God loves us. One biblical scholar defined agape this way, and I found it meaningful for my own life, so let me read it to you. He said, agape is the term for love that defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It's his ongoing and outgoing, self-sacrificing concern for the lost and fallen people. God gives this love without condition and without reservation to those who are undeserving. 
Oh, I could stop right there because that is, that is good news. Because those who are undeserving, uh, that's you and me, in case you didn't pick up on that. God gives this love without condition and without reservation. There's, there's no hesitation on God's part to those who are undeserving. That we can't really produce this kind of agape love on our own. We need the work of the Holy Spirit working uh, inside of us if we're even going to reflect this at all. John 3.16 uses the word agape. For God so agape loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 was read for you earlier. It's this, this verse that, that talks about God's love, but we like to read it at weddings. And we like to pretend that we could somehow muster up this kind of love. Uh, but keep in mind, this is God's love towards us. And what does it say? It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. What a beautiful message that is as we come into Christmas. That that this is the love that that is motivating God as, as we enter into this time of Christmas. This is the darkness that the people are walking in and, and the light is coming and, and the baby is about to be born. But this is the motivation. This is what is stirring within God, this kind of love, this kind of compassion for his people, for people he looks at. And I love right in the middle of there, and it always kind of stings a little bit every time you read it, but it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. You know, every time I've ever done premarital counseling, this comes up. A record of wrongs. Once we start keeping a record of wrongs against someone else, it is so hard to love whether that's your spouse or, or your neighbor or somebody down the street or somebody that you only know from, I don't know, the next door app. Once we start looking at, at someone and all we can see is this record of wrongs, then we are not loving them. And we are struggling to love them in the way that God would. Once we, once we think we figured someone out in a negative light, once we think we know how they're going to behave. It doesn't matter if we're right or we're wrong. It matters if we're keeping track. 
You know, when we receive this kind of love, I've said this before, but when we receive God's love in this way, there's a, there's a natural reaction that is supposed to stir inside of us. That we're not supposed to receive this love and then it just falls on us and we say, thank you, God, and that's it. This, this kind of love is the kind of love that, that fills us up and then overflows out into the world around us. And that's where Scripture talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that if you have God's Spirit inside of you and it is filling you up, that you should be overflowing and, and your life should look kind of like this love. Now, that's really hard. And it's actually impossible if God is not with you, if God is not empowering you. Remember, agape love is not something we can just produce out into the, this world, but, but let's read it again and let's think uh, not just solely of, of God's love, but, but a little bit of a reality check. How are we doing? Are these words that anyone would ever use to describe you? And if they are, praise God. And if they're not, invite the Holy Spirit in to this time of transformation. So, so let me read this again, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So as we reflect on Christmas... And that God sent His one and only Son into a dark and into a hurting world, into our world, into the world that we, that we are so familiar with, that we know so well. And he, he gave light to those living in darkness. If we receive a love like this, then, then it is our calling to reflect it out into the world. It reminds me a little bit of of the moon, you know, you, you learn very early on in elementary school that the moon doesn't put off light. Hopefully I'm not shattering someone's uh, brain. The moon has no light of its own. The moon only looks like it has light because it's reflecting the sun, right? And we see the sun's light off of the moon. So how well are you doing? Are you reflecting the light? Or, or are they looking and they're just seeing darkness? They're seeing something no different than the rest of the night sky that is around them. And the point of this is not that we are lifted high. Not that people look and they, oh, what a wonderful person. That is, but that, that somebody sees you and it causes them to say, there's something about that that I need in my own life. And we're able to say it has nothing to do with me. All I'm doing is reflecting Jesus Christ. Reflecting his love. I've been forgiven for so much. Of course I forgave you for that. 
When I was at my darkest place, God met me in a real and tangible way. So of course I came alongside you right now. Of course I'm meeting you in this place. Of course I've slowed down my life to spend time with you. It's just naturally who I am because because of what I've experienced. And we can point people back towards God. Matthew 22, verse 36 through 38, we talk about it a lot in the church. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 6. Verse 5. Then he immediately goes on and says, The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Again, a quote from the Old Testament, Leviticus 19.18. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So to Jesus, these are inseparable. Loving God and loving others. You can't love God fully if you hate others. If you hate others, it shows where your heart is. It shows that you fully don't understand what you've been forgiven for. That you fully don't understand the the grace that you have received. To Jesus, these are two sides of the same coin. I imagine someone coming up to him and, and being like, so which one is greater? Are we supposed to love God or are we supposed to love others? And and the very question itself shows that you don't understand what Jesus is teaching. Because both of them naturally result in the opposite one. First John four twenty. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Oh, by the way, this one's harsh, in case I didn't tell you. But it's, it's Scripture. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. Why? Because it's two sides of the same coin. So how do we practice this kind of love? Again, 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with truth and action. And then you say, okay, well, my brother and sister, okay, I get that part, but but where where does this end? (laughs) Who do I have to love? Who, Who can I get away with not loving? I mean, that's where our hearts are sometimes, right? We're, we're like, okay, God, I get some of this, but, you know, we've all met some people. So where's the limit here? Luke 6, 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? 
Even sinners love those who love them. By the way, in Scripture, when it says even sinners do something, you don't want to be in that camp. Okay? Uh, So, even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to be repaid, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without exception. And without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your heavenly Father is merciful. So what is God like? That's what this all hinges on. God's character. What God is like. And and we get it here at the end of this verse. Because he, meaning God, is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Again, reflect him into the world. If you're not convicted enough, I have one more for you. This is Luke chapter 6, 27 through 31. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them, the other also. If anyone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have done to them. So we get this list, and keep in mind, this list is impossible without the Holy Spirit. This list is impossible without God in our lives working in us, just as loving people in this agape love kind of way is impossible. It is impossible to do this. But here's the list that Jesus gives us. Number one, love your enemies. Check, easy. Boom. No. <laughs> Simple. All right, we all got it. No. Number two, do good to those who hate you. In case you thought you were loving your enemies. Now let's get a little more specific. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. 
Now they don't even just hate you. They actually like have bad wishes upon you. So bless those people. Pray for those who mistreat you. Not pray like bad things. Again, pray blessings on those who mistreat you. Do not retaliate when something happens to you. Give freely to others expecting nothing. And treat others the way you would like to be treated. The good news is that we're not expected to pass this test in our own strength. But when we live, even in small pieces of our lives, even in in little moments when we actually can do some of this, we actually can live this out, then God is glorified. And people feel the love of Christ. It doesn't mean every second of every day we're, we're just hitting it out of the park. I mean, good for you, if you are. Maybe you should be up here. <laughs> but, but it means that, that we're able to look and see people in need and see how we can love them with the love of Christ. Sometimes it looks like driving a bus full of junior high kids. And repeating, love is patient, <laughs> love is kind. Why? Not, not just so they could go, oh, great. Pastor John, he's patient and he's kind. That, that's of no value. It, it's so they could, love, they could feel God's love in a world that is never patient with them. In a world that is never kind to them. In a world that is, that is hurting and hard. The Christmas story is a story of love. It's a story of how God loved the world so much that he sent his son to come and and enter into the world. And that's the love that we celebrate during this season of Advent. That Jesus, the one through whom all things were created, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the beginning and the end, that that Jesus would enter into our world, would enter into our pain, would would live alongside of us, would feel what it's like to be here. And although that, that He is almighty, God, that he would sympathize with our weakness and would become a human. That he would lay aside his glory and would be born and would be placed in a lowly manger. Now that, that sacrificial love, that's not loving with words in speech, but with actions and truth. So my prayer for you all this week, in this week ahead as we lead up to Christmas Eve and we lead up to Christmas, my hope is that this would be a season where you would take time to remember. 
to remember how undeserving we all are. But how unfailing and steadfast God's love is for each one of us. For it is while we were still yet sinners that Christ died for us. And that's truly a reason to celebrate this year. So if you have nothing else that you feel like you can celebrate, there is, there is a big thing. <laughs> There's never nothing to celebrate because God came to us. He didn't leave us where we were. And it was this kind of love that invaded into our worlds.